0: I'd like to invite you, if you would, to please stand um, as we share our morning gospel lesson. The reading comes from the book of John, the 10th chapter, beginning with the first verse. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in another way, is a thief and a bandit. But they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them. And they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, you know, if one way doesn't work, you try it again. This is a piece I want you to focus on in our sermon today. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you. I am the gate, the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved, and I will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that the sheep may have life. And have it abundantly. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Little did Elizabeth know. When she came to church today. She was bringing a prop. Um, Alright. For those of you with poor vision. What is this? It's a sheep. In a dress. I, I just love the dress. A little lamb. A little lamb. You know. Jesus used everyday objects in his teachings. Usually, a lamb or a sheep is not part of our everyday world unless you're Elizabeth and you love the little lamb at night, the day. But sheep were very familiar, not only to Jesus, but the people of his day, sheep, shepherds, Part of their world like cars and parking lots and highways are part of our everyday world. Jesus knew sheep like a cowboy knows cows. In our faith, we have become familiar with the sheep and the shepherd image. We as people is the image of of sheep. We think of Christ as the good shepherd. Those are familiar, familiar to us. But today I want to focus on the sheep gate. The sheep gate. I've learned a lot about sheep gates this week. I learned more than I'd actually really known before. And I want to talk about sheep gate in two settings. There's the sheep gate, the time of Jesus, in the open fields. Lots of open space and pastures, just fields, that the shepherd would take the sheep to graze in. And in those huge open fields, as they were grazing, the shepherd would, would, would create pens of safety for the sheep at night. They would pile up rocks to kind of make a barrier, a boundary. And the sheep would come in. They would leave an open space that the sheep would be herded in because sheep just didn't say, go to home, go to space, go to place, go to pen. They just wouldn't go. They had to be herded to know the direction to go. So the sheep would go into the pens through the sheep gate. Now, some of those sheep gates actually had a gate that would open and close. Other times in the open fields, shepherds would would herd the sheep again for safety into the pen And the shepherd himself would lie down in the open way. The shepherd became the sheep gate. There's that image of the sheep gate. Now let's go to Jerusalem, where the sheep gate was was more one particular sheep gate that the people in Jesus' time were familiar with. And in Jerusalem, the sheep gate was on the outskirts of the city. And again, it was, it was a, a place to herd the sheep on the outskirts of the city, but these were unique sheep. These were different sheep. These were the sheep that would come to be slaughtered, to be sacrificed. Because in that time, they believed that if they sacrificed a lamb, um, it would please God. And so these sheep came with no exit except their own death. These sheep would come. There was no freedom. There was no redemption. There was no salvation. This was the end for these sheep. Now, beside the sheep gate in ancient Jerusalem, there was a pool. And the pool is where the outcast of the society went. Again, on the outskirts of the city, by the Sheep Gate, people who were incurable, who had sicknesses with no cure, people who were lame or paralyzed, lost outcast people, The people that respectable folks in the city didn't really want to walk by. These people were delegated and moved to, abandoned to, the pool by the sheep gate. And so like the sheep, these incurables were meant to have no exit. There was no freedom. There was no redemption There was no salvation. As sheep came to meet their end, so did these people. All right, so what Jesus, I think, presents to us are these models of the sheep gate and shepherding. So we have the open fields where sheep come to be protected and cared for, and then they go out to graze. And then we have the sheep gate in Jerusalem where... Animals where folks have come to the end of what society believes is their purpose. And they are delegated to the pen. All right, work with me on this segue. It's also Mother's Day. This is a day where we honor women in our midst, especially mothers, um, Not all of us are mothers. Um, We have parts of us, men and women, I believe, who are mothering. We all have mothering, maternal, nurturing, protecting parts of ourselves. So as we talk this morning, we do honor specifically our own mothers. We honor mothers and women in our midst. But as we talk about the scripture this morning, I would really encourage us, to think about what this scripture has to say for all of us, all of us, especially adults and we children. What do we learn in the pen? What do we learn in these places that we are encouraged to go to for our own safety? One of the most significant women in our midst who spent a lot of time modeling and giving to others in her community. We buried this past week, and that was Gail Elder Anderson. Gail was a shepherd. She was a shepherd. Not a biological child did she have, but she shepherded a community. There are many in this room who are shepherds and help shepherd in the community. I believe in this The story and what I hear from Christ is that we are charged with being shepherds of those younger than us. We are charged with shepherding our children and our youth and those in our midst who perhaps struggle with fitting in with a society in which we live. You know, we shepherd our children, we want to raise them in those open fields, those open places where they scamper and, and they're about, where's that lamb? Where they just have healthy, fun time. And then we bring them home at night. When you, when you have, what do you do with your lamb at night? You sleep with it. See, I knew, I knew it. We, that's what we want to do symbolically with our children. We want to protect them. We want to keep them safe, watch over them. We want them to learn trust, to grow in our homes and to grow outside of our homes. Now, some shepherds are more attentive than other shepherds. Some of us um, provide better life skills of what we teach our sheep, our younger ones, than others do. Hopefully, in the pens... We shepherds can teach our sheep integrity, life skills, how to trust, that there are those who are trustworthy, how to obey. I love what you did with the children. The kids know the things that they are already learning in terms of how to respect others, how to respect their shepherds. They learn to... Share and to take care of each other. Hopefully, we teach our children that there are robbers and thieves in the world who can be destructive and deceitful in their lives and where true places of safety are. But most important, I think, in that process is we teach our children that we are not the sheep gate. We're shepherds. We're guides. We're not the sheep gate. We are not the savior. We are not the one who when they hit rougher areas of their life where symbolically it can feel like I'm in a lost place. I don't have hope. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. That point in our life, our our. Our parents, adults in our world are important guides. But our Savior is not our parent. Our Savior is our Christ. If we get that, and we can help our children understand that our sheep gate is the Christ of our lives, we give a different kind of foundation. For our sheep, our children. When I became a mother, I was an older mother. I am still an older mother. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. You're one biological age. I was just shy of 38 and just shy of 41 when I gave birth to my two children. I remember the doctor saying to me, Mrs. Browning, these kids are either going to kill you or they're going to keep you young. Well, I'm still here. Um, They have aged me in ways. Um, But he was right. They've kept me young. Um, They've kept me involved in life. But I, I knew from the beginning that I would be a mother, most likely, who would have a shorter time on this earth with her children than the children's parents would have with their children, my friend's children, my friend's parents. So I started to look at, okay, I have this one shot at momhood. How do I want to raise my kids? And I think what a lot of us do, I looked at my own mother. And I got some wonderful things from my mom. My sense of play, my sense of curiosity, and the importance of teaching. All those things came from my mom. But I think the most important role model I really tried to fashion myself after was my mother-in-law. You know, all the bad mother-in-law jokes in the world, I just had a superb mother-in-law. Ruth, my mother-in-law, found herself widowed at the age of 42. When my child was just turning my second year old, she was a widow. Ruth was left with six children, ages 2 to 13, Four boys and two girls. She didn't have a lot of money. She used the insurance money to pay off her house, so she'd always have that pin for her children, a place of safety, a home, a home net. She had a little left off over, and she bought a pool table down in the basement because she said if the kids are going to go play pool, they're going to play a pool here. She brought in the neighborhood to play pool in her basement. She taught lessons through that, as one of her children, the one that I married, did some gambling down in the basement with that pool table. And when Ruth found out, she taught him about integrity. (laughs) And she taught him that he had to pay back not only the money that had been gambled, but all the money that had been gambled, he had to pay again to them um, because he had cheated them. So if they Bet $3, he paid him $3, and then he had to work to pay him another $3 so they'd remember that this was wrong. They would all remember that lesson. She was quite a person of integrity. She taught her children that there were other shepherds they could trust, her her brother, her sisters, other adults in the community. She taught her children that the church is where you came every day to be grounded. This is a good Catholic family. Every day to be grounded. They were raised in scripture. They were raised in prayer. They were raised to look after each other. When the oldest, 13, went off to school, it was on scholarship, and at that time... His spending money, his transportation money, and his books were provided by the next brother, which was my husband, Jim. So Jim had a paper route. He was too young for a paper route. It was his brother Cliff's paper route, but Jim did the paper route. And for his work, six days a week, he received a dollar a week. All the other money went to his brother for his education. And then when Jim went off to school, the next brother, Tom, took over the paper route. He got a dollar a week, gave the money so Jim would have transportation and money for books. When Tom graduated, it was time for the next brother to come up, Kevin, and there were no more brothers to take over the paper route, and the sisters were off, and so his mother mortgaged the house to have enough for the youngest to be provided for. They grew up clear that they were to take care of each other. Ruth was a mother who knew that not all parents are there for the entire life of their children as they're growing up. She taught them to take care of each other and to trust the gate, the sheep gate, that would always... Always be present. When we are living in open pastures of our lives, it's a wonderful life. There are times we do find ourselves in dead-end situations. We find ourselves as parents, as shepherds, as adults, as sheep. In times that we don't know how we're going to continue When we're part of a wonderful community, we support each other. In this community, we support each other because we understand that we are not the sheep gate. We are not the savior. We're other sheep. We're other shepherds. But we put our salvation and our redemption, our forgiveness, clearly in the knowledge that it is at the hands of Christ, of our God. There are a lot of life lessons to learn, are there not? There are a lot of lessons we want to share with our children. There are a lot of lessons we want to share as pastors. There are a lot of lessons we need to learn as children. We need to learn as shepherds. We need to learn as pastors. If we get that it is our Christ who gives us the ability to move in and out of the pasture on this side of life and in eternal life. Christ is the portal, the entryway into eternal life and into healthy, loving, forgiving, redeeming life With each other. We get that. We know how to help each other. We get that. We know how to live in trust, even when that around us seems like we have wound up by the pool, by the sheep gate. May God shape each of us in lifetime lessons of trust in the great shepherd, the gate of our faith, our Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.